Welcome back. You're listening to The 123 Show on RTHK Radio 3 with me, Karen Coe. And we have uh, a special guest in the studio now to talk about dyslexia because this month, October, is Dyslexia Awareness Month. So I'd like to give a big welcome to Bree Crockett, who's Managing Director at Spot Children's Centre Hong Kong. Welcome to the show, Bree. You're welcome. So, um, Breeze, you're a specialist teacher and you work with children with dyslexia. I'm having trouble saying the word today, actually. (laughs) So can you tell us, first of all, for listeners who don't know, and and honestly, I probably don't even know the full definition, what exactly is dyslexia? Absolutely. Um, So dyslexia is a a brain-based... condition. Um, We know now a lot of things what dyslexia is and what it isn't. So um, one of the main things is that it obviously impacts the reading and spelling and writing for children um, and adults really. Um, It's it's not a problem with vision which was sort of one of those long-standing uh, stigmas that people had thought that you know the blurred vision or the reverse the visual reversals and so forth so it's not that um, it's a it's a condition that's based around language understanding language um, and being able to work with the language so that's what um, it actually is and it's and it's lifelong so you'll have that condition forever and um, and it runs in families, so oh. yeah. So, so you, you you will inherit, you could inherit, you it. could inherit it absolutely. So research is saying at the moment that around fifty percent of um, uh, parents have it, uh, and then around forty percent of siblings. So it, it will generally run within families. Um, it's very common when we, you know, diagnose a child and, and a parent to sort of say, oh, gosh, this this sounds like me. Ah. <laughs> so it's very common to hear that. Or this sounds like my brother or, you know, the uncle of the child or, or grandparent. So there, there will be generally connections. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just want to tell listeners that we are also on Facebook Live um, at... Karen on RTHK Radio 3, so you can go to that page and you can see and hear Brie. So, uh, Brie, just talking about, so since it's an inherited condition, Mm. are parents very aware of looking out for it in their own children? Do you think? Um, Definitely, I think if if they are known to have that that condition or if they've got a sibling, another child with it, absolutely. They know those red flags to look out for and they've generally been working with specialist teachers and so forth to, to become aware of it. Um, but yeah, to really get to the sort of the nitty gritty of what it actually is, um, it's 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 how children are learning to read and how mm. they how they're doing that process. So at the beginning of um, that process, when children are very young, we learn about sounds and that sounds make up words. Yeah. So at the moment, I've I've got a three year old. Yeah. And uh, he he loves to play with sounds. Like it's just a very natural thing that children start to do. They're starting to learn to rhyme and play with sounds and um, usually words that sort of rhyme with poo is, is a common okay. one at the moment <laughs> with a three year old. But you know those sorts of things they're really playing around with the sounds and um uh, rhyming singing songs nursery rhymes um he can play while we're sitting in the car you know i spy with my little eye something that starts with b and you know the, usually the bus or the taxi and right, so forth yes. but um he you know he doesn't know what that letter looks like right. but he's playing with sounds because mm. that's what we first do when we're learning to read that's sort of the first step and then um, f- that's called phonemic awareness. Uh, speech therapists are experts in that sort of field and, and playing with the sounds.
sounds and helping children to develop um, their awareness of it. What's the first sound in words? What's the last sound? Mm -hmm. What's the vowel sound in the middle? Those sorts of things. So playing with the sounds um, is the first. And then the next we um, get introduced to the alphabetic letters and we start to learn that those sounds are actually represented in in a visual form. Uh, So um, it begins very easily with us being able to recognise that the A sound belongs with that visual form. That looks like an A. Yeah, A. (laughs) And then we have the SH and that those two together make the sound SH and so on. And so it gets more complicated when we're learning things like OI, OI and like boil and oil and so forth. So there's sort of a, a complexity rise in that Um, and then as we start to decode words and blend words we start to recognize them with lots and lots of practice we start to you know recognize that word and becomes automatic for us when we're reading and then when with that sort of auto um, fluency in reading um, we we are able to comprehend what we're reading Mm. because you know we're not focused so much on On, trying to decode decode the words so what's happening in the brains of of children with dyslexia Mm. so um, brain imaging has shown that um, children with dyslexia are um, not using that that sort of the language centers as well as they could Um, and so yeah that's that's sort of what the research is showing at the moment and they're using they're drawing from different areas of the brain to try and read so that means when they're trying to read they don't see what someone without dyslexia sees. So they, they kind of have to figure it out yeah, all over yeah. again. That's very scientific. I'm not yeah, you know, yeah. getting We're into that area. A little, <laughs> little bit harder. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's the different functionings mm. of the brain. And what research is also showing, which is exciting, is that the type of um, structured education that's going in with specialist teachers are actually changing the way that the brain can function. Uh, so they are starting to use the language which center much more effectively when they're reading after you know having this this intensive very structured multi-sensory learning right. approach so, so that's the it, exciting part um I, so i had a, a strange question here mm. if you're bilingual would you be um, dyslexic in both languages that's a good question um there's a there's an amazing professor here um catherine mcbride at the chinese university that does a lot of research into this um around the world and particularly the chinese uh, language here um it absolutely is because you can have that the brain presentation is going to be the same Same, so you can however it it can be um, stronger from my understanding it can be stronger in the English language because it's more of a language based um, uh, or letter based yeah absolutely where the Chinese is more pictorial and Mm. relies a little bit more on other centers like the visual and so forth so you might not be as severe in Chinese if you are in English but you might have more difficulties around the visual aspects um, and be considered dyslexic in Chinese interesting Mm. so is it easily diagnosed Uh, how do you yes and when would you what age would you know Mm -hmm. okay this child definitely is dyslexic yes okay so um, you need to have a full evaluation to be able to be identified as dyslexic and um, that identification needs to happen with a a clinical psychologist an educational psychologist or um, some specialist teachers who've got that level of training that they can diagnose 
most children will come to us around the age of seven mm. purely because the teachers have uh, they've had generally two years of formal education and teachers feel like they've you know done everything they can to ensure that that child stays on the the usual de um, developmental curve and so at that stage, they can see a gap increasing and they say, okay, we, we need to refer you. We feel like something's happening here. So that would generally be the, the main time that we get children. Um, we also get children uh, later as well. So around um, end of primary, early high school, as um, uh, the workload gets harder, the, the, the longer reading passages and, and so forth. So children... Um, uh, you know, as the complexity sort of increases, they have to rely on, you know, that those centres more in the brain and that's not sort of possible. So mm. they're the, generally the children which maybe have a higher IQ that are quite mm. bright. So they can figure out how to hide they can it compensate or... it for a oh, while. And then when it sort of gets to that stage and the reading's slow and laboured still and they've got to get through a lot more reading work with, with their lessons, geography and history and so forth, it starts to come up. Mm. Um, um, are, t are teachers in Hong Kong generally good at recognizing okay this child may be dyslexic you know they may have um, a learning issue yes absolutely um i definitely think it's increasing in hong kong um our clinic generally works with mostly international schools and i feel like yes that sort of training is coming through with the teachers um so they're they're able to identify those red flags and and then refer on to to ensure that the, the right evaluation is done mm. What happens if a child isn't diagnosed? If they manage to hide it or the parents just think, oh, they're not interested in yeah. reading or they're not mm. good at spelling or something mm. like that? Mm. Well, the, that's where it's a little bit of a shame because you can also lose children's confidence, self-confidence. And, uh, you know, back I worked in a specialist dyslexic school in London for 10 years. And a lot of the children that came to us, um, the main thing that we noticed was their self-esteem was low. Mm. You know, after being in that mainstream system and really trying hard and, and you know, children with, with dyslexia, Dyslexia can have um, an IQ of very high, average, all the same range as, as, a, as a typical neural um, uh, person. So, um, you know, they're aware. Children are very aware yes, when they think, well, they how come their, their, their friend in the class beside them finds it so much easier for them to learn to read? And I can't, you know, I understand what the teacher's saying all the time. I'm clever, but I can't do that, that reading and the spelling like, like my peers. So self-esteem's a big issue, and I think that's probably the, the one thing that happens if, if children are coming to you very late or mm. if it's just, you know, not recognised and, and dealt with in, in the right way. Right. So how do you actually treat dyslexia? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, specialist teaching, like I said, um, has shown that it um, can for change the brain, which is amazing. And um, so it, this type of teaching, it's called, formally, it's called a multi-sensory uh, education uh, program. And um, there are different types of ones available that people, teachers can train under. So in Hong Kong, a very popular one is the Orton Gillingham uh -huh. and the Dyslexia Association is providing this course um, for teachers. So a lot of Hong Kong international schools are sending their teachers to the program to get trained up properly. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it is amazing. And, um, and so that's a very sort of structured program and it's intensive. So it's one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, it's couple of times a week usually uh, multi-sensory so we're trying to teach children to learn 
um, differently than what they're learning in the classroom. They're using, you know, movement and um, tactile and all their senses to try and help them to tr- sort of connect and hook to the language. Um, I always like to explain it to children that, you know, if we can try and put this this information in lots of filing cabinets in your brain, you know, it's much easier to open up one of those filing cabinets and pull it out and remember when you're trying to spell or read and, and having all of that as an, an easy access tool for them. So oh, that great. multi-sensory teaching, that the approach that it that it works for. And is that something that you can do at a young age and then stop or do, do they need to keep doing it as they get older yeah. and older and even into adulthood? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's certainly something that you need to keep doing. Um, a lot, it's very common for dyslexic children to forget what they've learnt, um, especially over the holidays. That's a common complaint of parent it, teachers is sort of saying they come back and they've forgotten everything right. that we've been working on. So it's a very repetitive um, style of learning. Um, you always are going back over things that you've learnt previously and, and keep spiralling and spiralling as has sort of how I explain it. So um, it's very important that that repetition is there and that's that will always be the case. You'll you know, get to a certain stage that maybe you're not still working on the the pat like the spelling patterns because you've progressed and you've you've retained that in your long term memory, but still it's going to be one of those things you continue to work on. Mm. And then when you when we talk about say getting into adulthood, mm. how are adults affected by dyslexia, say in the workplace or socially? Mm-hmm. I definitely think it's around. Um, like that laboured reading, we're expected to do a lot of reading, um, reading in the news or reading at work, reading reports, um, and that's sort of a slower, more laboured approach. Uh, children can also have that difficulty with putting their ideas on the page and the spelling and so forth. I think as you get older as an adult, you have a bit more access to, to greater tools like that's this text-to-speech and so forth. That's sort of a good one or, or speech-to-text as well if you wanted to, to do it that way. Um, so you you have a bit more access to those sorts of tools where in primary school you're still not really allowed to you know type exams and things like that but when you're older you know you still have your spell check and and all those wonderful sorts of things so as an adult um you can use a lot more tools to to help you along the way oh that's Mm. wonderful Mm. and in day-to-day life uh what are sort of the main challenges that a, a dyslexic person would face yeah um so I think just day to day, especially a child at school that, that would be facing many of those challenges, um, trying to uh, sometimes remembering things like when the teacher gives instructions and remembering all the different steps that the instructions um, have been set out, as well as you know reading what things are off the board and reading the notes and so forth, what the teacher's given. Um, comprehending, especially during primary school, you have in your literacy exams, you have you know reading tasks and being able to comprehend those tasks to be able to answer those comprehension questions. Um, that's a particularly hard part through school. Um, it also can uh, relate into maths as well. So, oh, it can. So, yeah. I was wondering about that. Yeah. <laughs> Numbers so as well. You can have children who are um, amazing at maths, so dyslexic children who can be amazing at maths and understand you know, the problem and the process of working out that mathematical problem. They, they have that sort of scientific brain, as some people sort of say. Um, but as you increase, you know, increase the years in, uh, at school and um, maths can sort of start to bring in more of those worded problems 
Oh, that's true. Yes, yes exactly. And then, of course, with those murdered problems, there's there's a lot of um, extra. So there's things like if you had addition, for example, um, that word can be represented many ways in math. So plus, mm. um, sum of, total. Right. So when you're reading worded problems, you've also got to understand that this set one word also means the same in many different ways. Um, so being able to understand and comprehend what the teachers ask, what's the formula that you've got to withdraw from that worded question can also be very tricky. And even though they think, well, I'm good at maths, this is my right. area of strength, but, but you know, I can't, you've, I can't you've added this extra yes. reading part to the element and that's, that's where it gets really tricky uh, for Very them. frustrating, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So Brie, tell us what sort of support and resources are available in Hong Kong mm -hmm. if uh, any listener has a child that they suspect might mm -hmm. have dyslexia or, you know, they definitely does and needs some help? Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the those warning signs are, um, during the early years, so that the preschool years, is is children where they can't play with those sounds very well, the rhyming or remembering the nursery rhymes or um, remembering the alphabetic, uh, you know, the alphabet A B C D and so forth. So if children are having difficulties there, it's a good idea to start um, thinking about getting a speech therapist to come and help and figuring out early on, um, that early intervention is really vital so we don't get that gap happening um, and really helping lay the foundations early. Um, and then in school it starts to become more noticeable because again, if they're not remembering what the letters are and the spelling, um, having trouble hearing the individual sounds in words and so forth. So there are a lot of red flags uh, through throughout those years. And um, the first thing is to go to the to your pediatrician, make sure there isn't any other um, con medical concerns, hearing or sight and so mm. forth. Um, and then to seek out an evaluation. Um, and like I said, it can be done by a psychologist. So at our practice, um, our psychologist assesses uh, and they provide like a report and lots of recommendations. And those recommendations are really important because they're recommendations for home and school. And we really look at the whole child and the whole sort of learning profile. What are their strengths? How can we use those strengths to compensate for those weaknesses? Um, so you get to rec you know, really understand your child as a learner much better. Um, and so from there, uh, you would generally be recommended to see a specialist teacher. Sometimes that can be supported at school. Uh, and other times you may need to seek outside um, specialist teaching. And the specialist teachers, uh, it's important to find somebody that, that works well with the school as well and collaborates because it's really a team approach. The school teacher as well as that specialist teacher need to work closely together. Um, and and then other sorts of things are at school, ensuring that the school, if you're a parent, making sure you advocate for your child yeah. um, and get an, an IEP, make sure an IEP is put in place so that's an individual education plan at school. And um, those education plans very, have very specific goals that we need to follow and ensure that the child is continuing to progress. Um, so ensuring that's happening at school is really, really a vital thing. Other things for parents is there's the Dyslexia Association mm -hmm. and they have a monthly talk at the Hong Kong Football Club and they invite different professionals along so it's great for hey it's great for professionals to go along and learn some new things but parents as well mm -hmm. um, they have great topic areas on you know how to help your child uh, be able to talk about right. their, their dyslexia with their peers or their teacher and being able to self-advocate mm -hmm. or it could be on you know co-occurring there, there are other disorders that co-occur quite closely with dyslexia so there's lots of different information each month. So that's a lovely resource in Hong Kong. Great. Um, and other ones are just um, those sort of tools. There's a lot of reading apps. 
Uh, Graphogame is one of my favorite reading apps. Um, like I said, text to, to um, write. Um, yeah, so there's lots of different tools and resources that are available in Hong Kong and just through your school as well. Great. Well, mm. Bree, thanks so much for coming in to talk no to problems. us about dyslexia and really helping us raise the awareness. Yes. So yeah. we've been talking with Bree Crockett, uh, Managing Director at uh, Spot Children's Centre in Hong Kong and Bree's a specialist teacher.